Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. We're going to have two great guests later in the program, Jason Whitlock, who is a terrific, I wouldn't even just call him a sportscaster anymore. He's bigger than that. He's got a very, very intelligent uh, and uh, substantive view of society. And uh, Kevin McCarthy who's asked to come on. He's got something he wants to announce, and we're happy to have him, and both will be on the program later. And by the way, before I get up and running here, I'm doing a little research on polls. And this is from Gallup, 12 years ago, 2008. They talk about 1980, Reagan and Carter. And the reason this is important, because Reagan was an underdog almost right to the end of the election in 1980, and yet he won by a massive landslide. I'm not predicting that's what's going to happen. I'm just going to explain history, because history provides perspective and context. They had one presidential debate. Only presidential debate between Carter and Reagan held one week before the election on October 28. And uh, at the time of that debate, um, or right before that debate, I should say, Reagan was trailing Carter by eight points one week before the election among registered voters. Eight points. And three points among likely voters. So the goal now is to Keep picking up speed, and I think the president is right now, and tighten the gap, assuming there's a gap. And you should assume there's a gap, whether there's one or not. That's how you win. 
And then on election day, Ronald Reagan beat Jimmy Carter by 10 points in a massive landslide. Popular vote landslide and an electoral college landslide. And he'd go on to do it again with his vice president, Mondale. I wanted to point that out. Oh, yes, I did. Bernie Sanders on MSLSD yesterday. I notice now people are calling uh, Sanders supporters and Sanders a Bolshevik, uh, which I started to do on this program several weeks ago because I think it gives it the proper characterization. I also notice people are starting to call the Democrat Party and Democrat Party supporters Marxists. And you don't have me to thank for that. You have Mr. Producer, who went back and found the audio from 2015, a video actually, which we played on this program a few weeks ago, in which one of the co-founders of Antifa said she's highly trained in Marxism. People are afraid to speak the truth. They're afraid to speak the truth. I am not afraid to speak the truth. Come hell or high water. When I retire from this one day, I don't want to regret that I held back just because. I'm not holding back. I don't seek to be provocative. I don't seek to be outside the box. I seek to be me and accurate. And so now people are correctly referring to the Democrat Party, the Democrat Party base, Bernie Sanders, Antifa, as Marxists, because that's exactly what they are. And to be even more specific about it, it is an American form of Marxism. It's an American form of Marxism. It's been tailored to this country. But it's just as devastating if they get their way. Which is why I want to play this clip for you. Bernie Sanders on MSLSD yesterday. Cut three, Mr. Producer. Go. You know, as you mentioned, we put together a number of task forces with the Biden campaign. One of them was on health care. He, in fact, moved uh, a whole lot in many areas. He proposes to lower the eligibility age uh, for Medicare from 65 down to 60. Strong language. All right, stop, 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 stop. This is amazing. Medicare is going broke, and what he's telling you is we're going to lower the age from 65 to 60. From 65 to 60. Go ahead. Drug costs, doubling funding for community health centers, very important issue uh, because we're very weak in terms of primary health care. I'll, I'll let you ask Joe Biden that uh, as to why he is not a supporter of Medicare for all. He is not. Well, first of all, you have to get to him to ask. He's, he's more protected than the gold at Fort Knox, Mr. Producer. Go ahead. Uh, but to my mind, what this moment is showing us is that the current system is not what the American people need. We should not be paying twice as much per capita the health care as compared to any other country and yet have 100 million people uninsured. Or okay, this, this, this guy is the biggest liar in this country. We don't have 100 million people without insurance. We don't have 100 million people without insurance. But look how they keep changing the bar and ratcheting up. Obamacare was going to solve everything, but it solved nothing. Medicare was going to solve everything, but it apparently didn't solve anything. Medicaid was going to take care of poor people. Apparently it doesn't take care of poor people. These are their systems. They're very proud of them, but apparently they're not proud of them. One of the reasons the cost of health care in this country is so expensive 
Three of the reasons. Number one, unlike virtually every other country, we will spend every last plug nickel to try and save somebody's life. We don't do what they do in Europe, ration care. We do not ration care in this country. Number two, the trial lawyers. The trial lawyers, which are cash cows for the Democrat Party. You ask any doctor, any hospital, any nurse, most of these people have to have insurance. It drives the cost of health care up in a significant way. They don't have that in most other countries. He likes to talk about other countries, so let's do it. Number three, massive government regulations. So while we pretend that we have this private system, in many respects, of course it's private, not in every respect, in many respects. But it's heavily managed by the government, heavily regulated. Been to a doctor lately, Mr. Producer? What does he have on his lap? A laptop. They're constantly putting stuff in their laptop, aren't they? Well, it's not only because of your file and keeping your data. They have to report to the government. And if they take Medicare patients and Medicaid patients, they have to hire people to deal with that paperwork. Bernie doesn't tell you this. You know what the answer to Bernie Sanders is? To do exactly the opposite. Deregulate the health care system. Have hundreds of insurance companies. Have thousands of different kinds of policies. Some are more affordable than others. Some are simpler than others. Depending, if you're an 18-year-old and you're in great health, you don't need a Medicare-type plan. And you can do this with keeping pre-existing conditions. So you don't want to further centralize government, put more and more into a government system. One of the things the president has done, <coughs> which was thought to be impossible, is he's, he's brought competition to the Veterans Administration, which has been so much more compassionate and humane in that respect. What Bernie Sanders wants to do is take every failed healthcare system you see in the world and copy it. A hundred million people aren't covered by healthcare. That's such a lie. But that's what they do. Now, the White House has put out, Breitbart has summarized on its own, a list of what the president said as his staff went through it, of what the Biden-Sanders unity proposal, and hence the Biden governing plan, says. And I'm not going to give up the word Bolsheviks just because other people use it. Bernie the Bolshevik and his Bolsheviks It's now Biden, the Bolshevik, and they're Bolsheviks. And the list is online. It's at Breitbart as well. But I want you to listen to each and every one of these because one alone is disastrous, let alone dozens of them. One alone is disastrous, let alone dozens of them. And this is serious now. Very, very serious. And as I look at the clock... Rather than rush through this, let's go ahead and take the break. We'll have a longer segment so we can go through this thoughtfully. I'll be right back.
Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for 175 years. It continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. And it'll continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. So let's take each one of these, and I want you to think about them. What Biden now is proposing, and really the Bernie Bolsheviks have imposed upon Biden, and they will run the government. Abolish borders. Abolish borders. Catch and release, only without the catch part. They talk about end the use of for-profit detention facilities and use detention as a last resort. Democrats will prioritize investments in more effective and cost-effective community-based alternatives to detention. That means no detention. Immediate end to all criminal deportations. Enact a 100-day moratorium on deportation of people already in America while conducting a full-scale study on current practices to develop recommendations for transforming enforcement policies and practices at ICE and CP and CBP. End prosecution of illegal border crossers. Expand sanctuary cities. Just think about this. This is how they hope to have a permanent majority when it comes to election day. Make alien, child smuggling, and human trafficking easier and more profitable. Page 106 of the plan. End use of the unaccompanied minors program as an enforcement trap against family sponsors, including where such a trap is facilitated by the use of information sharing between ICE and ORR. And so what's meant by make alien, child smuggling, and human trafficking easier and more profitable is if you do not detain and you do not vet and you do not investigate then children who are in fact kidnapped and children who are in fact being trafficked and smuggled, you have no way of knowing. Instant asylum for all new illegal aliens, they say. Now, there's 22 million already here. So all new illegal aliens, in perpetuity, presumably, will get instant asylum in the United States. Now, I want you to think about that. No country does that. There's not a country on the face of the earth that does that. And the goal, again, is to change the citizenry for the Democrat Party. Now we're all going to be servants of the Democrat Party. Terminate all asylum agreements with Central American neighbors. Which, of course, makes it almost impossible to return people to their home country. Honduras, El Salvador, Guatemala. Taxpayer-funded lawyers for illegal aliens. Taxpayer-funded law- Do you have a taxpayer-funded lawyer, ladies and gentlemen? 
Well, you're going to be paying for lawyers for illegal aliens. So we're going to have many, many more slip and fall lawyers contributing to the Democrat party. See, this is a win-win for the Democrats. Abolish all workplace enforcement of illegal workers. All workplace enforcement of illegal workers. Work permits will be given to illegal aliens, which of course they don't receive now. Hiring an illegal alien is illegal. So that's their immigration plan. You happy with it? While they talk about creating more American jobs, they create it and they talk about the unions. Provide taxpayer subsidies and welfare for illegal aliens and new immigrants. Free government health care for all illegal aliens. Free community college and in-state tuition assistance for all illegal aliens. And all self-sufficiency requirements to maximize welfare for new illegal aliens. So in effect, a massive expansion of the welfare state. And dependency and immigration. Now, let me ask you something. Once the word goes out to the rest of the world that this is the Biden plan should he get elected president, what do you think is going to happen, Mr. Producer? Tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions. You see what's happening in the systems where the police are in our cities where the police are overwhelmed? They want to cut ICE. They want to cut the Border Patrol. We will be overwhelmed by millions and millions of illegal aliens pouring into the country. You don't know who's, who, uh, who's a criminal and who's not. You don't know who has some uh, COVID-19 uh, virus or not. You'll have no idea. Your schools are going to be swamped. What's left of law enforcement is going to be swamped. Public services are going to be swamped at the local, state, and federal level. So they want to turn what you see in the streets into anarchy in the country. And they're going to do it through immigration, and they expect to have a permanent majority as a result. And anybody who stands up to this, anybody who questions this, will be accused of white privilege, white racism, systemic racism, and that's the way this is going to play out. And that can happen four months from now. Four months from now. This is just the immigration part. Massive expansion of legal and illegal immigration. Massive amnesty. Massive expansion of low-skilled immigration into the United States. Increased refugees from world's most dangerous nations by 700%. Page 107. I'll be right back. Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for 175 years. It continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God, 
Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. And it'll continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. A champion of freedom. You know, you're one of the greatest champions of freedom in this country, if not in the English-speaking world, Mark. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. I also have a thought, which I'll get to later, but I'll give you a little taste of it now. That these cities, you see what's going on in Portland, one on Seattle, what took place in Minneapolis, what's going on in New York and Philadelphia and and so many of our large metropolitan areas. These are now breakaway cities. These are breakaway cities. You're going to start to hear that the way you have now heard that the Democrat Party is a Marxist operation and Black Lives Matter is Marxist. So within the next 48 to 72 hours, you're going to start to hear that. Bernie's Bolsheviks, the way you heard that last week when I was on Sean's show, and you heard, but you're going to start hearing this because I, I believe we got to steal our language back. I should say, take it back. They've stolen it. Let's go through the list, particularly so the white women with college degrees in the suburbs can understand what we're talking about because everybody says, that's the key, you know. When I say that, of course, I'm mocking. Everybody better pay attention to this. When you have open borders and you treat illegal aliens as if they're citizens, particularly on the low-skilled side, what you're going to do is destroy what's left of our inner cities and job opportunities in those inner cities because those jobs are taken by illegal aliens. Abolish law enforcement as we know it. Defund the police. Except, of course, the Capitol Police. Disarm the police. Except, of course, the Capitol Police. And cash bail. And cash bail. So literal get out of jail free for dangerous criminals. Abolish the death penalty across the board. Voting rights for terrorists and death row inmates. You can see that's a Bernie special. Incarcerated should not be blocked from exercising their voting rights or accessing public services. That's on page 10. Do you realize Joe Biden hasn't been asked a single question about any of this? Joe Biden has not been asked a single question about any of this. This is why Chairman Xi's friend, the genocidal murder in China... Tom Friedman of the New York Slimes doesn't want Joe Biden to debate. Free college for prison inmates. If we have any prisons left. Appoint, quote, social justice prosecutors, unquote, to free violent criminals. This is what Soros has been doing all over the country and relatively successful. There are scores of prosecutors who don't prosecute. In my own county of Loudoun County, Virginia, we have one of these crackpots. She won by like 2,000 votes. They've got one of these crackpots in Philadelphia. They're all over the place. So 
They're so diabolical and devious on the left, they figure, okay, you know how we're going to limit prosecutions? We'll win those elections. So appoint social justice prosecutors to free violent criminals. And mandatory minimums. You know, like they have in New York City. It's called bail reform. It's not reform at all. It's called a get-out-of-card, get-out-of-jail-free card. In the front door, out the back door. Speed up a push to close prisons. Page 60 of the document. And solitary confinement, except for Paul Manafort, of course. Free housing for ex-prison inmates. Now, I'm sure you've heard this earlier in the day because the White House put this out. That's fine. But I want to go through it, too, for those of you who, who may not have been around early in the day and are working. Free housing for ex-inmates. Wow, between the felons and the illegal aliens, they're going to have a hell of a good time in this country. Next, abolish energy. Destroy American growth. Now, how they plan to do this? Rejoin the Paris Climate Accord and double down on wealth transfers out of the United States. And here's the deal. The Paris Accord is a massive redistribution of wealth from the United States to the rest of the world. China and India won't even participate. And last time I checked, they have 3 billion people combined. So it all falls pretty much on the shoulders of the American people. Even though America does the absolute best. And carbon dioxide is not a pollutant. You are aware of that, right, ladies and gentlemen? Carbon dioxide is not a pollutant. All you folks wearing masks at the direction of the cold of Fauci, you're inhaling your own carbon dioxide. So if it was a pollutant like carbon monoxide, you'd be dead in 30 minutes. And without carbon dioxide, guess what else we don't have? We don't have plants. And if we don't have plants... We don't have oxygen. We don't have oxygen. We don't have life. Wow. I'm sure you weren't taught this in school. Now listen to this. Mandate net zero carbon emissions for homes, offices, and all new buildings by 2030. So in 10 years, all homes, all offices, all new buildings by 2030, Zero carbon emissions, meaning no energy use, unless you have, you know, like a bunch of batteries and propellers around your house. In 10 years. Can you imagine the fascistic tactics that are going to be used? And the home building industry will be killed. Absolutely destroyed. The only people who will be able to afford a home will be people who are quite wealthy. It will be destroyed. Where's all this money coming from? I thought we were giving it to the illegal aliens and to the prisoners. Or ex-prisoners. Mandate zero emissions from power plants by 2035. That's 15 years from now. That means you're going to have brownouts and blackouts all over this country. It's an impossibility. Here we are, finally, energy independent. Finally, we don't have to rely on the Arabs. We don't have to rely on the Russians. We don't have to rely on anybody except ourselves. Finally, we've invented our way out of the problem. With fracking and so forth. And the left wants to destroy us. Mando, mandate, <clears throat> excuse me, net zero carbon emissions in the entire economy 
by 2050. And you know what will happen? You'll have North Korea. Now, it's not so much that these goals are achievable. It's the process by which these goals are pursued. Massive taxes. Massive regulations. Massive economic dislocation. Massive joblessness. That's what's going to happen. And for what? For what? You need to understand it is the middle class in this country that is targeted here. It's not the inner cities. It's not the rich. It's the middle class. It's most of you who listen to this program. Whatever race you are. It's the middle class, as Marx would say. You're the ones targeted. Do you want to know why? Let's talk some turkey here. Because if they destroy you, they destroy the country. You are the country. Every other country has poor people and rich people. No other country has a massive middle class like the United States. And this is why Marx was wrong. He said the proletariat would rise up against the bourgeoisie. That is, the working men and women would rise up against the the landlords and the business owners. But you haven't. Why? Because capitalism in the United States has created a massive middle class. Assembly line workers, union workers in this country are better off than assembly line workers and union workers in any communist regime. The workers' paradise over there. And so, it hasn't come to fruition. So they're going to make it come to fruition by destroying you. It's your homes. It's your communities. It's your schools. It's your tax base. It's your police officers. That's who they're targeting. Notice they say nothing about the rich here. They'll get to them. But that's easy pickings. Let's continue. Mandate 500,000 school buses, zero emission within five years. Within five years. How so? What does that mean? What does that mean? Five hundred thousand taxpayer funded charging stations for electric cars for the few people who are obviously rich enough to afford them. Ban school choice. Make it illegal. Now what does that mean? That means there's no hope. Particularly in our inner cities, particularly in our poor parts of our inner cities, particularly for, let's be blunt, little black kids and little brown kids to get a quality education. This is a sop to the teachers union. The two biggest donors, other than billionaires, to the Democrat Party are the trial lawyers and the teacher unions. You see how they protect them? You see how they expand their power? So all but the wealthiest again will have to attend the government school, the government building that's right down the street. So they want to destroy what I consider and what I've said for 20 years is the biggest civil rights issue in the nation, school choice. They want to end scholarships serving poor students in 26 states. So you can see the, the police state, the centralized iron fist with brass knuckles. You can see it. Any areas of choice, of competition, of liberty, 
have to be devoured and smothered. Because otherwise you can't get the paradise that Marx promises. I'm one of the few talk show hosts you're listening to that's actually read Karl Marx, just so you know. And I'm not just talking about the Communist Manifesto. He put that out relatively quickly with Engels. He wrote a lot more than the Communist Manifesto. This is how I know about Marx. I actually read about Marx. Ban education savings account. So kill off any possibility for sending your kids to a different school. This is destroying the family. It's destroying education. It's destroying upward mobility for poor people. End scholarships serving poor students in 26 states. End school choice. Eliminate school choice in Washington, D.C. So only Obama can send his kids to Sidwell Friends and, and uh, all the members of Congress. They can send their kids and the, and the, uh, and the media and all the rest. Uh, right. But everybody else is stuck. And abolish charter schools. I hope you watched Life, Liberty, and Levin last Sunday with the great Tom Saul. Charter schools. You abolish charter schools, and then there's no hope. Most of the charter schools, not all, most of them are in the cities. And then they want to abolish educational standards. They want to eliminate the SAT and the ACT. Eliminate high requirements on standardized tests. And they want to undermine discipline in the classroom. They want to, quote, reissue federal guidance to prevent the disparate disciplinary treatment of children of color in school settings, unquote. Another phony race issue. So they want to bring to the classroom what you see in the streets. This is their plan for quality education. But their biggest plan... The biggest plan I've yet to discuss. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom. And freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for 175 years. It continues to provide that education today not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide through its online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God, Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. And it'll continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Did you know that the suburbs, according to a CBS News report, Four years ago, uh, is 35% black, Asian, and Latino. 
You wouldn't know that if you listened to the usual racists and race baiting that goes on in this country. In fact, I have that wrong. That's by that's 2010. 2010, 10 years ago. The suburbs now represent a combined 35% of the suburban population. That's 2010, so it's more now. It's called mobility. People make more money. They want larger homes. They might want a little bit of land. They want a different lifestyle. And they are sick and tired of the, of the crime in the inner cities. That's exactly why LeBron James lives where he lives. And other people. Steph Curry. So the Obama administration and now Biden... Sanders, they're not happy about that. They want to resurrect, and we talked about this with Stanley Kurtz at National Review last week. They want to resurrect the Obama-Biden radical AFFH regulation. Now, what will that do? It'll deny federal housing funds to any town or village, any county, that doesn't ban single-family zoning. Do you understand what that means? Single-family zoning means single family standalone houses. Did you know that, Mr. Reducer? So they will federally impose by the withholding of federal housing funds what all these towns need as a way of destroying single-family homes. Now, it's amazing the Obama judges and the left-wing judges, when the current administration says, hey, look, enough with these sanctuary cities or we're going to withhold your funds. Oh, you can't do that. But Obama and Biden say, well, we're going to withhold funds if you don't destroy your zoning. Oh, okay, you can do that, though. So they want dense, even after the coronavirus, they want densely populated high-rises, apartments, condos. And they want to eliminate single-family housing. Ladies and gentlemen, that's on page 64 of the report. This is no lie. This is an enormous radical, Marxist agenda to control the people. Now, you know what's not in the Bolshevik proposal here? Individual liberty, individual free will, individual mobility, individual wealth creation, individual property rights. None of it is about the individual, the human being. Everybody's grouped. Everybody's organized. That's what they do, those Marxists. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811, At the top of the program, I mentioned, and I want to develop it a little bit further here. Man, we have so much to do, and it's so important. Every hour is crucial. Please listen carefully to me. Our major cities have effectively seceded from the Union. 
not formally, but effectively. Our major cities have effectively seceded from the Union. Not formally, but effectively. In addition, they want the people who are not in these cities to subsidize them as if they haven't effectively seceded from the Union. So they want it both ways. So they want it both ways. But you can see that they have effectively seceded from the Union. You know, before all this, they were sanctuary cities, which were clearly unconstitutional. And you'd have cities with the support of blue state governors talking about federalism and the and the federal government doesn't have a role and the federal government can't tell us what to do in our schools, but do pay us billions. The federal government can't tell us what to do about law enforcement, but do pay us billions. The federal government can't tell us what to do about our prison system, but, but pay us through FEMA to rebuild our buildings. And so the Democrat Party has always been about secession and nullification. So we're seeing secession and nullification from the Marxist left now, as opposed from the racist confederacy. But it's the same, it's the same notion, carried out under a different ideology. And yet both ideologies aren't all that far apart now, are they? When you look at Antifa, Black Lives Matter, other leftists, Marxist, anarchist organizations, in the end they're segregationists, they're separatists, they call themselves separatists, they mean segregationists, but you can't really say that anymore. It is they who are blocking the schoolhouse doors today, as occurred in the late 50s and early 60s. And it is they who want to make determinations based on race. They reject Martin Luther King and other tremendous, not even civil rights leaders, human rights leaders. Human rights leaders. So I just want to put this marker down. You talk about echo chamber, baby. When I leave the air, there's echo chambers all over the place. And so I just want to put the marker down. You'll listen to the echo chamber, and that's okay. We've got to get the word out. People listen to a lot of other shows. Minneapolis, Portland, Seattle, New York, Philadelphia, Baltimore, Cleveland, other cities, Atlanta, they have effectively seceded from the Union. Now what the Bolshevik Bernie and Bolshevik Biden plan does, it enshrines it. How? It takes the policies of the cities and applies them and imposes them upon the rest of the country. It imposes them upon the rest of the country. It's pernicious. Absolutely pernicious. They started in the cities. They moved to the broader metropolitan areas. You can see the inner city, the inner suburbs of Philadelphia, where I'm from, 
completely change politically. And you can go from city to city, New York City, L.A., and the others, Portland, the inner suburbs have been basically devoured. And now they're moving to the, the outer suburbs and into the rural areas and then nationwide. So the modern secessionists will basically have conquered the Union. You see, it's the constitutionalists that stood up against the Confederate, and it's the constitutionalists that stand up against the Marxists. The Democrat Party just does not embrace Americanism. You've got little spurts, or better said, respites, where they do, but that's not good enough. That's not good enough. So this is something over time I want to develop further. The backbenchers will jump in, and that's okay, but I want you to listen to me seriously. We have a modern secessionist movement. It started with nullification. It started on the immigration movement. Sanctuary cities. It's progressed over the last 10 years in a significant way. And now you can see. You can hear the de Blasio's and others. They want your money. And they want absolute control. And they say the government, the federal government has no role. Now remember what I said last evening. If you accept that Americans are not only citizens of a state or a town or a city, but are citizens of the United States, which is exactly what James Madison said in 1832 and beyond. Little did he know there would be a civil war, but he was very, very worried about it. He could see things unraveling. Even Jefferson could late in his life. What Madison said and what Abraham Lincoln underscored was, you are a citizen not just of a state, but of the United States. And that's what happened when your state ratified the Constitution. And that's what happened when your state, subsequently, beyond the 13 original states, joined the Union. And the state does not have the power, argued Madison, and later Lincoln, to take from the American citizen, their American citizenship. So South Carolina did not have the power, Lincoln argued, to take the national citizenship away from a South Carolinian. Well, my argument now is that for the American citizens caught up in these cities who are not protesting, who are not looting, who are not killing, who are not maiming, who are not raping, and want to live a decent life, and want their kids to go to a decent school, and would love a decent job. We need to rescue these people. We need to protect these people from these mayors and these city councils. And the only way it can be done right now, and I tell you, it's it's flipped a lot of my thinking. It's turned it on its head is by a beneficent and compassionate president, which Biden is not. It's actually Donald Trump. And this is why I said last night, 
that the Department of Justice have a lot of brilliant lawyers over there in the Office of Legal Counsel and other places, as well as other entities in the federal government, need to develop my theory, develop my thinking, which is based on the Civil War, which is based on Madison's letters, based on Lincoln's arguments, for the right of the federal government to protect those people in the inner cities where these mayors will not. These mayors who have effectively removed their cities from the republic. Not formally, but effectively have, succeed, have seceded from the union. I hope I'm making sense to you. Now it's being said that Joe Biden would have handled the coronavirus better. It's being said in the media that Joe Biden would have done this. Joe Biden would have acted earlier. He would have been more effective. He would have nationalized industries. He would have done this. He would have done that. And they've succeeded, at least in some of the polls, of convincing the American people of this. Now, of course, most of the actions with these governors and the the mayors... And now Fauci's making excuses like a good bureaucrat. What is he saying? Well, if they only had listened to me, they, they opened up too early. There was no need for this to happen. It's a pandemic, genius. You're supposed to be the scientist. But we know that Biden wouldn't have done a better job. We know that Biden would have done an awful job, a lousy job. And I talked about this earlier in the week. So people are sending me emails and say, have you heard this? Have you seen that? Which tells me I got to do it again. Now, we didn't have the audio before. So I give a nod to my man, David. But I did read it. And we had the other information. But I want to underscore this because this and a few other issues is how they hope to take back the presidency and destroy America. And they are going to destroy America. They're not adversaries. They are the enemy. The enemy. Now, Mr. Producer, what cut is this? This is uh, Ron Klain in 2009. This is on C-SPAN, a biological attacks and pandemic outbreaks forum. He was the former Ebola response coordinator for the Obama administration 2014 to 2015. But in 2009, we had the swine flu. Or as they like to say, H1N1. Now, what did they do to control and manage the swine flu, which could have been a massive, deadly epidemic? What did they do? Well, let's listen to the man who was in charge, who sat at the right hand of Joe Biden before he sat at the right hand of Barack Obama. What did Biden do? What did Ron Klain do? Go, Mr. Producer. Uh, I just had a couple things. I mean, I, I was in the White House in 2009, 2010. I was working for Vice President Biden. I wasn't involved directly in the H1N1 response, but I, I lived through it as a White House staffer. And what I will say about it is uh, a bunch of really talented, really great people working on it, and we did every possible thing wrong. And it's- By the way, you know who else was working on it, Mr. Producer? Anthony Fauci. The Fauci. Did he not just say here we did everything wrong? Let's start from the beginning. Go. A million Americans got H1N1 uh, in that period of time. 
And it's just purely a fortuity that this isn't one of the great mass casualties. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Take it back to the beginning. I want to hear how many millions of Americans got the swine flu. Go ahead. Uh, I just had a couple things. I mean, I, I was in the White House in 2009, 2010. I was working for Vice President Biden. I wasn't involved directly in the H1N1 response, but I, I lived through it as a White House staffer. And what I will say about it is uh, a bunch of really talented, really great people working on it, and we did every possible thing wrong. And it's, you know, 60 million Americans got H1N1 uh, in that period did of time. Did he say 60 million, Mr. Producer? 60 million Americans got the H1N1 swine flu? 60 million Americans? Why didn't they prevent it? Why didn't they have everybody hunkered down? Where was Dr. Anthony Fauci? I don't remember all the press conferences with Obama, Biden, and Fauci. Do you, Mr. Producer? I don't. And Fauci was there. He was still head of the infectious disease arm of our federal government. He was the head, just like he is now. We didn't listen to the Fauci. We didn't hear him. And he said, Ron Klain, Biden's right-hand man, we got everything wrong. This is why CNN doesn't play this. Fox needs to play this. MSNBC doesn't play it. The New York Times, they all ignore it. Because it doesn't build into their narrative. Go. And it's just purely a fortuity that this isn't one of the great mass casualty events in American history. Had nothing to do with us doing anything right. Just had to do with luck. Uh, and so if anyone thinks that this can't happen again, uh, they don't have to go back to 1918. They just have to go back to 2009, 2010. Imagine a virus with a different lethality, and you can just um, do the math on that. Is that not incredible? Has Fauci been asked this? All the interviews, he's, and now he's doing photo ops, Mr. Producer. We got a pandemic, and the guy in charge of monitoring it and dealing with he's doing photo ops around a pool with sunglasses on. Now, what's the other thing I brought up early in the week about this? Testing. Quote, in late July, so I repeat, in late July, the CDC abruptly advised states to stop testing for the H1N1 flu and stop counting individual cases. That was Cheryl Atkinson for CBS News reported in 2009. Quote, the rationale given for the CDC guidance to forego testing and tracking individual cases was, why waste resources testing for the swine flu when the government has already confirmed that there's an epidemic? Shar Alkinson reported some public health officials privately disagree with the decision to stop testing and counting, telling CBS that continued tracking of this new and possibly changing virus was important because H1N1 has a different epidemiology, affects younger people more than seasonal flu, and has been shown to have a higher case fatality rate than other flu virus strains. But Obama, Biden said, no more testing, therefore no more reporting on the consequences. This is so damning. This is so damning. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. 
So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. One more time for the liberals who are slow listeners. Ron Klain talking about 2009. 60 million Americans had the swine flu H1N1 and how the Obama-Biden administration handled it. This is from C-SPAN 2014. Go. Uh, I just had a couple things. I mean, I, I was in the White House in 2009, 2010. I was working for Vice President Biden. I wasn't involved directly in the H1N1 response, but I, I lived through it as a White House staffer. And what I will say about it is uh, a bunch of really talented, really great people working on it, and we did every possible thing wrong. And it's, you know, 60 million Americans got H1N1 uh, in that period of time, and it's just purely a fortuity that this isn't one of the great mass casualty events in American history. had nothing to do with us doing anything right. It just had to do with luck. Uh, and so if anyone thinks that this can't happen again, uh, they don't have to go back to 1918. They just have to go back to 2009, 2010. Imagine a virus with a different lethality and you can just um, do the math on that. Yeah. So that's what they did. Nothing. And Fauci was head of infectious diseases then, too. And they did everything wrong, he said. They, I guess, would include him. And then, of course, they did a cover-up. They stopped testing. And by stopping testing, they stopped tracking. And by stopping testing and tracking, they stopped the ability to determine the mortality rate. That's what Biden and Obama did. That's what the Democrats did. And now they're all there wringing their hands about, oh, there's so much more that could have been done with this massive pandemic, which is much worse, much more deadly, and much more complex. When I return, we have scheduled Jason Whitlock of Outkick.com, who's been absolutely brilliant. And it'll be a pleasure to meet him. We'll be right back. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Liberty's General Patton. Call into the Mark Levin Show now at 877-381-3811. Jason Whitlock is a partner at Outkick.com, which is a great site. If you haven't checked it out, Outkick.com. 
Jason Whitlock, it is a pleasure to finally meet you. How are you, sir? It's great, Mark. Thanks for having me on. I love what you write. I love how you think. Uh, You're independent. You're unpredictable. And yet you make a hell of a lot of sense to me. So I want to ask you a number of questions, if I may. Um, because because sports now is about something bigger than sports. It appears to be, or at least they want to be. I'm, I'm watching the NBA and the NFL. Do these players know they're embracing a Marxist anarchist movement? No, they have no idea. But one, one thing I want to be clear on, though, that I'm yes, trying sir. to articulate to everybody, sports have always been a big deal. Mm-hmm. They've always been a driver of American culture. And when you are the NFL and you're the number one show on five different television networks, that makes you the most important thing in popular culture and arguably in American culture. The enemies of America have figured that out, and they put a plan together they've executed over the last 15 years to infiltrate the sports world and move American culture through the sports world. This isn't something that has come out of nowhere. These seeds have been planted and are coming to blossom. Colin Kaepernick, just a useful idiot. LeBron James, just a useful idiot. Do the athletes, they make so much money that they come out of high school or out of college, earn millions of dollars. They're young people with a lot of money. They're attracted to social media. They have no idea what they're involved in, how they're being manipulated and used. And at some point, I'm not even sure if they really care, because for a Kaepernick or LeBron James, they're tied to Nike. Nike has ties to China that are stronger than their American ties. And so a long-winded answer to say, Mark, no, these guys have no clue. Uh, wouldn't understand it. Wouldn't understand if you tried to give them a clue. It's the puppet masters above them that are moving them and manipulating them to undermine America at the behest of very subtle play by China, communist-run China, that's working. Now that's interesting. So they do it through, well, money, obviously, money is power, but they're doing it through sneakers and clothing and that sort of thing? In other words, China? Well, listen, Nike obviously want, has, has business ties to the 1.5 billion people in China, need to be in that market to sell their shoes, have to have ties to the Asian market to, get, to have their manufacturing plants use the slave labor. And so what China is doing or what Nike's doing in the NBA, the NBA really doesn't care about the American public. The next big financial score for the NBA is this global agenda that they have. The NBA is a globalist corporation, no different than Nike. Nike's a $40 billion corporation. The NBA is an $8 billion corporation. Nike has helped the NBA understand if we can improve our relationships with China, The television contract the NBA can get from China could dwarf anything you have in America and from these U.S. television networks. And so China, what have the communists always smeared the West with? Oh, we're racist. 
uh, the West is racist, the United States is racist, they mistreat black people. That's always been the smear on the West and the United States. That's why these Nike athletes, LeBron James, Colin Kaepernick, are the leaders of smearing America as racist. LeBron James has been to China enough that if he's opened his eyes, he could see how black people are treated in China. He could see the abuse of people of color in China. But because he and Nike want to maintain a good relationship with China, they continue to smear America as the racist place, say nothing about the abuses going on in China. It's, it's, this is a corporate play by Nike. Nike was in bed with President Obama. They prefer uh, Trump's whole America first agenda scares globalist corporations like Nike and wannabe globalist corporations like the NBA. Wow. I didn't even think of it this way. Absolutely bright. Let me ask you this. They talk about systemic racism. They never define it. Are they talking about their fans? Most of them live in extraordinarily wealthy neighborhoods that are mostly white. Are they talking about their neighbors? Most of them send their kids not to the schools in inner city Cleveland or Newark or Washington, D.C. or New York. Send them to suburban schools or private schools. So who do they mean when they say systemically racist? Or they don't what mean they anything. What they mean is, honest to goodness, is that someone told them about a column or a book that Ta-Nehisi Coates wrote, and he used the term systemic racism, and they just repeated. And that's their explanation for anything that's happened here that's unfair to black people. Well, that's systemic racism. And the truth doesn't matter. Social media over the last, what, seven years has promoted the narrative that the police are just out randomly killing black people. The stats, the evidence, the years of research, none of it backs up this narrative. But social media, Twitter in particular, and the mainstream media is addicted to it, has promoted that narrative through anecdotes. There's anecdotal evidence to prove any narrative you want to make. You can come up with an anecdote that says Jason Whitlock is got one of the best bodies in American history. You can come up with an anecdote to prove that, but the research would tell you, no, the guy's 300 pounds, he's overweight. <laughs> so, but you can come up, racist people of either persuasion, black, white, brown, yellow, they can come up with an anecdote to prove their narrative. Does the research bear it out? That's always the stumbling block. And as it relates to the police brutality narrative that they've been writing, through social media, it just doesn't stand up against the actual facts and evidence. And as far as these athletes go, and young people in general, I just don't want to single out athletes, they're all addicted to their cell phones and their social media apps, and that's what control, that's as deep as their knowledge of any of these issues go. And so LeBron James has heard people tweet about Ta-Nehisi Coates' book, Between the World and Me, and his narrative that systemic racism explains everything about America. The New York Times has come out with the 1619 Project, uh, brought on by a bunch of activists, female journalists at the New York Times, that says that everything about America is connected to slavery, and that explains everything about America. It's this 
this all of this chaos we're experiencing is seeds that were planted years ago, activist journalists being planted and groomed in all these major media institutions, and now you, you power them, you amplify their voices through Twitter, and you have a bunch of young, confused people that are just following the Twitter group thing. And if you stray from that course, if you raise your hand and say, hey, hey, I think they're lying, if you're black, they're going to call you a sellout and a coon. If you're white, they're going to call you racist. And so people stand down and don't push back because they don't want to be smeared that way. Mm-hmm. You know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wrote this piece, I'm sure you know, in The Hollywood Reporter. And I agreed with most of it. And being Jewish and all, I see this growing anti-Semitism in one political party. I see, even among athletes, these comments um, about Jews, and um, some of this is, is a repetition of what Farrakhan has said. They're misquoting Hitler, and then, then other athletes are silent. They haven't spoken up, and Jabbar said, what the hell is this? Either we're for human beings, and we're for civil liberties, or we're not. What explains that, do you think? Uh, listen, when you've been convinced that the most important thing about you is the color of your skin, you're going to lapse into racism, period, end of discussion. And social media has helped promote the idea that either your race identity or your sexual identity is the most important part of you. And you guys in the political sphere call it identity politics and talk about how dangerous it is, and it really is, as it relates to black people specifically. We had a long history in America of being the most religious people in America. We are being disconnected from our faith-based point of view through politics and through identity politics of race is your defining characteristic. Things I've been writing about on OutKick are about, well, hold on, man. I'm a Christian. I want that to be my defining characteristic, not my race. And so when you start interpreting things through your faith rather than through your race or your sexual identity, the world looks a lot different. But social media is programming us to look at things first through, what does it say about my race? What does it say about another race? What does it say about my sexuality? What does it say about people of a different sexuality? Rather than if you're Jewish faith or Christian faith or Muslim faith, how does God feel about any of these issues? That's being removed from black people in terms of our point of view. And we've been given our race and democratic politics. That's what defines you. And the only way to be black is to embrace democratic politics. If, if you, again, Joe Biden was not lying when he said, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. He, he, people got upset with Joe Biden, but hell, black people will tell you the same damn thing. If you don't support the Democratic Party, lock, stock, and barrel, you're not black. And, and, and Mark, I'm someone, I don't participate in politics. I've never voted. I don't have a political identity. I've shared with everybody, judge me as a Christian, then judge me as an American. 
those are the ways I want to be judged. That gives me a proper outlook as I move through life. I don't want, and again, I love my race. I don't want to be any other race. But I don't want to be judged, and I don't want all of my thoughts to be controlled by race. Because if I wake up every day looking for racism, trust me, I'm going to find it. Mm-hmm. If I wake up every day looking for good things and looking for the God in people, trust me, I find it consistently. It's all about your point of view and what defines your point of view. We've been given the wrong things to define our point of view, liberal you, uh, politics and our race. You're a national treasure. You need, I'm sure you're out there, but I, I need to help expose you to more people. So I, I, I'm serious about this. You know, there's like this sports world and then this other world. And I can tell you, many of my listeners may not know who you are. Many may knew, know who you are. Uh, but I'm telling you right now, they're cheering you on. And these are people of all races, colors, creeds, religions, and so forth. So I'd like to have you back. Would you like to come back? No problem, Mark, anytime. All right, man. Thank you, and God bless you. Thank you. Jason Whitlock. Wow. Was he not impressive, Mr. Producer? Hillsdale College serves four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character, to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve the free, a free government for 175 years. Continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduates and graduate students, but nationwide through its free online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating way back to 1844, that would be the presidency of James Polk, commit the college to preserve the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. Now, this learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God, as described in the Declaration of Independence that we celebrate every 4th of July. It includes America's great heritage of liberty, that too often today is falsely derided or denied. Hillsdale's motto is pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. It will continue to fight to live up to that motto come what may. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Let me just say this about that interview and Jason Whitlock, and there are others of all backgrounds, all races, but particularly African-American. This is when you see and hear courageous men and women of a historic nature. I've had several of them on Life, Liberty, and Levin, and several on the radio, and that gentleman is one of them. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. 
Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Stand up for your principles. Stand up for your faith. Stand up for your family. Stand up for your country. It'll make you feel good. It'll liberate you. While all this darkness and negativity and seriously troubling events are swirling around you. Hold on to your faith, hold on to your family, hold on to your principles, and hold on to your country. And become a voice for all of them. Again, it's not only liberating, but you're going to be a step above. You're going to be among the best and the brightest. You really are. You know, my friends, we live in trying times, and being conservative puts us under fire. But we're not alone. One group stands out and has for years, AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now, folks, this group counters the AARP, which is a left-wing group. But their discounts and benefits when you become a member, and the, the, the cost of being a member is really de minimis are exceptional, exceptional discounts and benefits. But they also do more. They represent you, your values, and your principles in Washington, D.C. They fight for you. And so they battle the left. They battle socialists like the AARP. They stand with you. You care about the future. They fight for the future. You care about the truth. They fight for the truth. So help them fight. For your liberty, for your constitution, for your country. And at the same time, enjoy the incredible discounts and benefits. I am a member, and I know how fantastic this group is. And by the way, I love to get their magazine. It's a beautiful magazine, bi-monthly magazine. It's filled with cutting-edge news, and it really is very, very important. Over 2 million constitutional conservatives, Levinites, like you, like me, have already joined AMAC. I encourage you to stand with us. Join with us. Enjoy the benefits and discounts too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Help preserve America. AMAC. A-M-A-C dot U-S. I'm already getting people writing me about that interview. And remember, if you want to read more from Jason Whitlock, and they have a lot of good people over there, a lot of good people over there, you go to Outlook, what is it? Outkick.com. You know what? I'm going to bookmark it right now. Outkick.com. Outkick.com. If I were you, I'd check that site out frequently. I'll be right back. 
from the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. You know, you heard that Ron Klein, who... Uh, who was the chief of staff to Joe Biden during the swine flu. You heard what he said in about 2009, that everything was luck and they did everything wrong. And Dr. Anthony Fauci was head of the Infectious Diseases Office back then, as he has been for 37 years. And so Biden gets a pass, Fauci gets a pass. On top of that, the Obama-Biden-Fauci administration stopped testing. They said, look, it's a pandemic. We know that. What the hell can we do about it? That was their answer. So when you have that comparison, the the contrast is very stark, which is exactly why the media won't do it. Now, I went on the Drudge Report. If you want to know what the never-Trumpers are thinking, and if you want to know the campaign plans for the Biden campaign, and if the Democrats take the Senate and hold the House and we get Biden— There's a number of websites and individuals and uh, politicians that we'll be able to thank, among others. And good old Matt Drudge will be one of them. And so we have a governor in Maryland who's a liberal Democrat. That's how he gets elected. But he runs as a Republican. So he's a Republican in drag, if you will. His name is Hogan. There's no genius... To what he's doing. Uh, he's a big spending. Liberal Republican. Hence a Democrat. He's not a radical. But he's a liberal. And so he knows what to do. Just like Romney. And he and Romney are duking it out. For the best never Trumpers. And he writes a piece of course. For the Washington Post. I'm a GOP governor. Why didn't Trump help my state. With coronavirus testing. This guy's an idiot. Well then why are you the governor. Who writes this? A third grader? Would he help your state with coronavirus testing? Let me ask you something, big boy. Why didn't you plan for a pandemic? I don't mean plan perfectly or expertly, but at least plan. What were your plans for a pandemic, Governor Hogan? Mr. Producer, invite Governor Hogan onto this program, will you? We'll give him an opportunity to whine about the tests, and then I have some questions about what he did or didn't do. He's made himself available publicly. He wants to talk about South Korea and the tests for his state and so forth and so on. But I want to swing back to Fauci because you're not going to find any of this on Mediaite, Media Matters, the Drudge Report, and far-left websites like that. They're not about news. I'll give you a perfect example. Right now on the Drudge Report, you don't have to look, I'm just telling you. 
hopeless. Republican governor rips Trump's virus response in scathing letter. Quote, we expected something more than constant heckling from the man who was supposed to be our leader. Constant heckling? So who is that? That's Hogan. Now, does he post any governors who have praised the president? Not one. Not one. That's what liberals do. Has he provided any information about Biden? Does he have a link to the C-SPAN piece, the audio that I've been playing, on Ron Klain? No. Why not? Does he have a link to the CBS story by Cheryl Atkinson? When the Biden-Obama-Fauci administration stopped doing tests? Nope, there's no link there. I don't think so. Is there, Mr. Producer? Double check. Double check if either of those are linked. Because you can't have that. There's so much information on the internet, and yet there's so many sites that ignore that information. We were all huddled down. The economy was destroyed. 40 million people were on unemployment insurance because Dr. Fauci told us we need to flatten the curve. Once we flatten the curve, you can have your life back. Well, too many people lost their lives. That is, their livelihoods. And many people have lost their lives for reasons apart from the virus. We don't know how many because Dr. Fauci and the CDC don't tell us. And Drudge doesn't want to know. And Media Matter doesn't want to know. And Mediate doesn't want to know. How many lives have been destroyed as a result of the Fauci model? Now he screwed up under Obama and Biden. You're not allowed to talk about this. And now a 50-year bureaucrat is trying to cover his ass. I said we opened too fast. I said we should. No, that's not exactly what you said. First, it was 15 days. Then it was 30 days. And now what? It's 30 months to shut everything down? Meanwhile, it's got a full spread in some magazine. He's sitting around a pool with shades on. He's never received tough questions. So the Maryland governor's out there whining. Writes for the Washington Post. Why? I'll tell you why. Because in 2024, he wants to run for president. He's a loser. It's a loser. I know how to get Democrat votes. I know how to get the swing of it. No, you don't, moron. You and Spiro Agnew. But you're welcome to come on the show. You want to have a real debate, Governor? I'll be respectful. Let's debate what the president did, and let's debate what you did. Let's debate who's been a better leader. I believe in federalism, but I need money. I believe in federalism. I want to know how many ventilators Maryland had. How many respirators? How many beds? How many doctors? How many nurses? You know, all of this involves decisions and licensing by the state. I want to know how many hospital beds they've had over the last 15, 20 years in Maryland. 
let alone ICU beds. I want to know how many hospital or hospital expansions have been denied, requested and denied by Maryland. I want to know what this governor did in preparation for the PPEs. I want to know what this governor did in preparation for ventilators. I want to know what he did in preparation for a pandemic. Because it seems to me he was caught behind the eight ball. And Trump wouldn't help him. Trump, my state, we needed coronavirus testing. The whole country did, genius. Fauci, the great hero. Well, where is the testing? Trump and his administration, working with the private sector, had to build the whole damn thing from the bottom up. The CDC didn't have any functioning tests. Where was Biden for 50 years? Pelosi for 40 years? Schumer for 40 years? By the way, how many news reports do you remember before this virus that were not prepared for the pandemic? You see, that's what the media is supposed to be doing. Not playing politics. Not trying to destroy a president or a candidate. Where were the media? They were nowhere. Where was Andrea Mitchell? Where was Andrea Mitchell? Andrea Mitchell. Nowhere. That idiot, Katie Turd. Where was she? Where was that jerk, Chuck Todd? Nowhere. Where was George Stephanopoulos? Where were they? Where was D. Lemon and Fredo Cuomo? And the morning schmo and Mrs. Schmo? Nowhere. How many stories were in the Washington Post and the New York Times that America is not prepared for a pandemic? I don't remember reading one. But if there was one, there should have been more. Do you? How about the Fouch? Does anybody remember him warning the American people that we're not ready for a pandemic? Does anybody remember him doing that? I don't remember him doing it. If he did, he did it under his breath and in a cloistered environment. As I said the other day, Fauci's on TV more than Lindsey Graham. I've never seen anything like this. You're in charge of this infectious disease stuff for the whole country. Shouldn't you be manning the phone? Shouldn't you be reading everything? How do you do all that and you're... You know, this idiot Cuomo. Which one, Mark? They're all idiots. I'm talking about uh, Fredo. He says a foul word on CNN, so he'd probably get a bonus. How can the president... I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic and he's talking about Goya beans... You idiots have been talking about Goya beans in the middle of a pandemic. But there's Fauci taking time off at the pool, getting photos taken. What's he going to say tonight about Fauci? What the S is wrong with that guy? Sitting around a pool, getting a photograph? No, he won't say a word. Because he's a coward. He's a putz. Oh, you don't, you don't know my biceps and my triceps and my, uh, oh, I really wear. Shut up, you idiot. He's an idiot. He's a preppy. Remember the preppies, Mr. Bidu? He's a preppy. Larry Hogan has a, a piece in the Washington Post. Wow. My wife, Yummy, and I stood on the tarmac, waiting in cloth masks on the morning of April 18. It reads almost like the Gettysburg Address. Finally, a Boeing 777 landed and taxied to the far corner 
of Baltimore, Washington International Marshall Airport. By the way, I hate that airport. I hate it. Was the first Korean air flight ever to land at BWI. It's probably one of the first flights ever to land at BWI, but it didn't have a single passenger aboard. The crew of five had flown 14 hours straight from Seoul. Congratulations, honey, I told Yummy as the pilot turned off the engines. You helped save a lot of lives. I have no idea what that means. Do you, Mr. Producer? By the way, uh, Governor, it looks like you should, should be laying off the tacos and the Goya beans yourself, but let me move on. The plane was filled with 500,000 test kits for my state, where the coronavirus had already infected 12,308 Marylanders and killed 463 of them. The numbers were still climbing, and we would never be able to contain them without mass testing. Anybody that wants a test can get it, President Trump had declared the previous month. In reality, only 2,252 Americans have been tested at that point in March. Across the country, my fellow governors were desperately pleading for help on testing. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, you had to build the test from the bottom up. I don't understand this guy. Is he not a governor? Does he not manage anything? The president said anyone who wants a test will get it. Well, we get the tests. What do they think? The President of the United States is holding them up because he wants to to keep him in his closet? It's a big country, Governor. Yummy was born and raised inside. It goes on like it's it is it is a, a stupid essay. I have no idea why he's talking about Yummy and himself. I don't know what that has to do with anything. It is a, it goes on and on and on. And, and, and I'm telling you, we didn't have tests early on. Whose fault is that? Fauci, the CDC, all the experts and bureaucrats who are paid a lot of money with magnificent pensions and health care coverage to do these things. The governors, the governors, they're supposed to run their states. They're supposed to try to prepare as best they can for those things that are not predictable, like a pandemic, which means it's going to be very imperfect. But I want to know exactly what Hogan did to prepare his state for any pandemic. I want to know exactly what he did. I want to know who was involved. I want to know what the budget was this year, last year, the year before, over the last five years. I want to know. Because the Washington compost sure as hell not going to dig into it because that's their man, Hogan. He's the man. Like Romney. Did Romney ever talk about pandemics before? The guy had been a governor. Guy ran for president. He's not, never, never in his life. But they all look back and they know it's like Biden. But Biden actually has blood on his hands. Fingerprints everywhere. Fingerprints everywhere. But nobody can confront him because he's protected, because he's responsible. It's respect. He wears a mask. Supposed to get credit for wearing a mask. I think the guy deserves credit for wearing pants, Mr. Do you remember what they used to say? He used to go swimming naked? Remember that? 
They had to chase off the female Secret Service members. Now we know why. Because he's probably walking around with a zombie with his hands out. Touchy-feely Biden. Wasn't that his nickname? Oh, I'm getting carried away. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Okie dokie. Now back we are. Maybe it's a good thing not to send your kids to public schools. I'll give you an example. In California, I am so thankful that my kids moved out of California and my grandkids moved out of California. There's a piece at JNS.org on California school boards. And this is, this is a crime. This is a sin. And it talks about California school boards forge ahead with controversial ethnic studies curriculum. So this is in the public schools, ethnic studies curriculum. And it says in part, the proposed curriculum section on Arab American studies course outline, unquote, contains a number of passages concerning the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, such as, quote, direct action front for Palestine and Black Lives Matter, unquote. Quote, call to boycott, divest, and sanction Israel, unquote. And, quote, comparative border studies, Palestine and Mexico. It also includes studying national figures, such as Ilhan Omar and Rashida Talib. And the late Columbia University professor Edward Said, Women's March leader, Linda Sarsour. These are all anti-Semites. The late radio personality, Casey Kasem. And others. The late Washington, excuse me, the late White House correspondent, Helen Thomas. All of whom are associated with the anti-Semitic and anti-Israel rhetoric. And in the case of the congresswoman, plural, of course, a push to enact legislation punishing Israel. This is what's being taught to kids in public schools in California. This is the tip of the iceberg. You want to know why the streets are burning in our cities? You want to know why 
kids grow up hating their own country? You want to know why they're spreading anti-Americanism and anti-Semitism in this country? I keep talking about it and hammering on it. I just told you why by reading that to you. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Mark Levin, the great one. The great one, Mark Levin. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. You know, listen to this, Governor Hogan compared to Trump, it's such a joke. He's a political dwarf, this, uh, this Hogan. The Republican leader, the minority leader of the House of Representatives, and boy, I hope we turn that around. Kevin McCarthy, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you doing? We're doing just great. You have a big announcement you wanted to make. I got a big announcement. We introduced legislation today yeah. to protect our monuments. What we were finding with these autonomous zones and these monuments being torn down, the jurisdiction are these local mayors, these local city councils. If they refuse to uphold the rule of law, then why should they receive federal money? They have a responsibility in the rule of law to protect them. And so we introduced legislation today that would stop, that these mobs cannot continue. Nancy Pelosi is defending destruction. You watch de Blasio prioritizing protests over police. This is wrong. We must restore law and order as we rebuild our country. You know, this, this is so shocking to me that the Republicans have to try and figure out a legislative fix because the mayors won't protect their own people. And really, isn't it true, uh, Mr. Minority Leader, isn't it true that the only you're teeing this up for the election so people know they have a choice, and really the only way to get this through is to win the House, to hold the Senate, and win the presidency? You have to. You have to take the House. Otherwise, we... We won't be able to get there. Watch what Nancy Pelosi is doing. Give, let me give you one example. In 2015, the Pope comes to the Capitol. He gives an amazing speech. We walk across statu- Statuary Hall. We stop and we pause in front of St. Sarah and we pray. Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, Kevin McCarthy. You know what statue got torn down in San Francisco? St. Sarah. You know who has not said a word about it? Nancy Pelosi. Then... In her hometown of Baltimore, they tear down, the mob tears down Christopher Columbus. She gets asked about this. You know what she says? People do what people will do. No, that's not the country we live in. A mob does not control us. 
We believe in justice and the rule of law, and you have a responsibility to uphold that. I remember the Tea Party. You remember the Tea Party? And uh, they were accused of all kinds of things, and they never lifted a finger against anyone. No. Shocking. All right, listen, the Democrat Party, this is part of their base, isn't it? This is the Bernie Sanders base moving over, borrowed by Biden. These people who are in the streets, whatever their race, whatever their background, they're not voting Republican, are they, Kevin? No, no. And, and I don't think they're voting what the Democratic Party was before. This is a Marxist socialist movement. Mm-hmm. When you study history and you watch when they go down to tear down George Washington, Frederick Douglass, and others, they don't believe America is exceptional. They don't believe. And this is what gets me. I serve with one of these new individuals, Congresswoman Omar. <laughs> she was born in Somalia, was in a refugee camp. And what did America do? America, she opened up her arms and brought her into this country. What did America also do? Allowed her the opportunity to run and become a member of Congress. Something fewer than 11,000 people in the history of this country has a willingness and able to do. And she says we should destroy America. I think we should duplicate America. Yeah. Destroy it. Name me one other nation that was going to take her in and have the ability to run and govern and, and what, sh- what she and, thinks of us? And you're so right. And, and, and you're going to be attacked for just telling the truth. In other words, yeah. this country opens its arms to her and her family. She's a refugee. Brings her in. Yeah. And she's spending her every waking moment trying to destroy it. And by, and by the way, Kevin McCarthy, Nancy Pelosi has endorsed her in a four-way Democrat Party primary and said she's such an important part of the Democrat caucus. Can you believe that? such important that what does she say about Israel? What does she say about those who are Jewish? And never did her own party stand up against her. Mm-mm. All right. Well, we're, we're really rooting for you. We're going to do everything we can out here and give air cover to the members because we need to take the House and hold the Senate and win the presidency. I've said, and I wonder if you agree with me, 1860, 1864, two of the most important elections, and now 2020. You agree? This is, I agree 100% because this is what your listeners have to understand. If we lose this election, you won't come back two years from now and win this again because they'll change the rules. There won't, they will expand the Supreme Court. There'll no longer be 50 states. There'll be 52 states. You no longer, they'll change how you, how you elect somebody. You know what they do in California? You can vote if you're not a citizen in a school board race. They now lowered it to 17. You can send your ballot in. 17 days later. But that's Jeez. not what they will do. That's what they are doing today when they take power. That was such a magnificent state. And you know, today, Reagan, even Bush, George H.W. Bush won his first uh, election there, his first that's term. Right. It never happened again. I mean, no, I, I, no. I'm just being honest about it. They, have, they take control of the instrumentalities of government, the instrumentalities of voting, and they empower themselves. It's just, it's so awful. What's, you know, I lived out there for a period of time. And I remember Kevin McCarthy when they used to say, the Republicans are going to win the presidency for as far as the eye can see. So what did they do? They changed the rules. They changed immigration. They've changed everything to make sure it is they who they hope will win the presidency as far as the eye can see. Yeah, they'll no longer do you go vote for one person. You rank them. 
And the person can get the most votes, but they'll no longer become the member because it'll be who got the most second votes or third votes or how you feel about it. This is a nation that's exceptional. We're conceived in liberty, and we're dedicated to the proposition that we are all equal. You know what's interesting? When Nancy Pelosi moves to remove those four portraits of those speakers, they're all Democrats. Yeah. You know what's amazing to me? The Republican Party's first president was Abraham Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Who, who advised Abraham Lincoln? Frederick Douglass, mm-hmm. a man born into slavery, fought for his own freedom, and advised a president of the United States. And what does this mob do? Tears down his statue. Why? Mm-hmm. Because they want to go to the foundation of who we are and say we are not a good nation. This is what this election is about. If you believe in this nation, if you believe there should be a new direction inside the House of Representatives that you no longer want Nancy Pelosi, Congresswoman Omar, AOC, and the others, you've got to go to TakeTheHouse.com and engage because we have amazing Americans running for Congress. You look at Mike Garcia in California, a first-generation American who graduated mm-hmm. from high school, went to the Naval Academy. He just did something we haven't done in 22 years. He won a seat that the Democrats had, that, Na- that Hillary Clinton carried by a majority. We can do it, and we can win. We only take 17 more seats, and Nancy is no longer speaker. By the way, while Nancy's walking around at night trying to figure out what to take off the walls and so forth, uh, I would recommend that there is a common element in all this, and you mentioned it, the Democrat Party, the Democrat Party, the party of slavery and, and the party of slavery and the part of the, of the Confederacy, the party of segregation. I think you guys should try and amend it and say, okay, look, why don't we do what we ought to do? The Democrat Party has a legacy of slavery. Anything that has a legacy of slavery must come down. Just a thought, Congressman. Be well, my friend. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate you. All right. God bless. All right, folks. You've heard of Ricky Gervais, right, Mr. Producer? You've heard of him? (laughs) Inside joke. Ricky Gervais. Well, he's a liberal, but he's not a radical nut Marxist. He believes in free speech, and he can't stand the hypocrisy and condescension that surrounds his business. And so he's on radio in London on Monday about this so-called cancel culture. You know what we used to call it? Censorship. Cut seven, go. You don't think the office would get the green light in today's cultural conditions? Yeah, not only because, um, uh, you know, times have changed and, and, and there's, this, there's, this, there's this new weird sort of uh, fascism of people thinking they know what you can say and what you can't. And it's a really weird thing that there's this new trendy myth that people who want free speech want it to say awful things all the time. This just isn't true. It protects everyone. And this new thing, hate speech, oh, that's hate speech. And the two catastrophic problems with the term hate speech is, one, what constitutes hate speech? Everyone disagrees. There is no consensus on what hate speech is, right? And two, who decides? And there's the real rub, because obviously the people who think they want to close down um, free speech because it's bad, are the fascists. Yes. Marxists, fascists, they're just ists. He wasn't done. Cut eight. Go. And now I don't want to be lumped in with those celebrities who lecture people who think they're above everything just because they've got a, they've got a platform. I mean, it really works both ways. 
And the, the worry, the worry now is social media amplifies everything. If you're if you're mildly left wing on on Twitter, you're suddenly Trotsky, right? In, <laughs> right? And if you're, exactly. if you're if you're mildly conservative, you're Hitler. You're a Nazi. And if you're, yeah. <laughs> and if you're centrist and you look at both arguments, you're a coward. You know, they both hate you. <laughs> yeah, but here's the problem. When Black Lives Matter in their mission statement and when Black Lives Matter's co-founders in video and in audio proudly announce, proclaim, declare that they are trained in Marxism, well, that is Trotsky. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. I like to put things in a basic way, whittle them down to the core. If somebody thinks or knows that they can brutalize, physically assault a police officer who has a weapon, typically a 9mm, maybe a forty caliber, who has a billy club, who has a taser, among other things, on their body, what do you think they think they can do to you, Mr. Producer? You're not walking around with a weapon. Most of you don't have a concealed carry. Some do. <clears throat> Most don't. You don't have a taser. You're not walking around with a billy club or whatever they call them these days. What do you, what do you think they think they can do to you? Anything. What are you going to do? Call the cops? Because they're already seeing what's happening to cops on TV or they're already involved in assaulting cops. This is why it's called the thin blue line. And this is why I keep saying these are our first responders in New York City. And quite frankly, in all of our cities, they're the first responders. We used to honor them. Where's that jackass, John? What's his name? can't remember his name because he changed it. name was uh, Lebowitz was his name. He changed it to Stewart. Oh, Stupid little shrimp. John Stewart. Sure, when it's lobbying Congress for money, that's not a hard thing to do. But when it comes to defending the men and women in blue, where is the guy? Nowhere. Nowhere. Creep. I'm just concerned that this keeps going on. The silent majority, Mr. Producer, won't be so silent. 
and they may not sit on their hands. Depending on what area gets hit next and what threats there are. And I'll tell you something else, and I'm telling you flat out, right up front, should Biden win, should they take the Senate, should they stuff the Supreme Court in the courts, should they take away your hard-earned money, your hard-earned property, the farmers, and so you don't know what's in store for you with the inheritance tax. You have no idea what they intend to take from you. Should they seek to destroy the suburbs and our schools further? They're going to create a desperate situation. And desperate people do desperate things. I am not promoting this. I'm not seeking to be provocative. I study history. People don't stand still. They have a limit. They have a limit to what they're going to take. You're looking at a relatively small percentage of the population that has created all this mayhem and chaos, this death, the looting and the arson. The overwhelming majority of the American people are not participating in this. And tens of millions of American people are getting angry. They're not cowering in the corner. And when their lives are touched, when their homes are touched, when their police are touched, when their liberties are touched, I think you'll get a very different reaction. That's why it's so important that we deny Biden and Bernie and their Bolsheviks power. Because I fear what's going to happen to the country from them, and I fear the reaction. And I'm telling you the damn truth. They have no respect for the rule of law, no respect for the Constitution, no respect for limits, no respect for the individual. They never talk about the individual. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute the armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. And all the men and women, you patriots out there, who are going to save this country on election day and every day beyond. I have faith. See you tomorrow. God bless. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.